Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions, Bert Harper and Nathan Harper with you. And Nathan, I'm really, really excited about what God's doing in the world. And what he's doing is really still turning the world upside down. And there's some people that don't like that the way it's turning, it's really turning it right side up, you know? Yeah. And when it's turned right side up with a relationship with Christ, uh, it kind of, kind of causes problems with the world that's wanting to, to stay evil, stay uh, in, in conditions that is worse than you could ever believe. And uh, But God is at work, isn't he? He is, he is working, and, you know, it's exciting to hear how God is working. And like you said, it is um, dangerous, to see where God is working because that means there's transformation of lives, even to a degree transformation of societies. And that degree of change is what you're saying. It, it brings conflict. Uh, spiritually speaking, I think, first of all, you know, the enemy hates to lose territory. Ultimately, it's God's and he's already claimed it. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And it's a matter of his, his people being obedient to that commission, you know, but uh, when when that happens on the ground, there is some issues that that do happen, and you know whether it's persecution, whether it's just um, you know internal struggle and, and battle within ourselves. I mean, we we deal with that. Everybody deals with that on a daily basis. But it's good to see the big picture, though, where we can pinpoint, hey, God's working here, and this is some of the things He's doing, and this is how we can actually be a part of that through prayer, uh, through supporting in ministries that are that are on the ground there, uh, in whatever other ways. But um, even today, just listening uh, is in a, in a form, in a way, being a part of, of what God is doing. And we want you to do God's will. We usually close out uh, with on Exploring Missions about challenging you to be on mission for God. And we want to talk today about some people who are on mission for God. And one of the most effective ways is getting the Bible to people. Uh, what happened in the Middle Ages when the printing press was invented and the Bible began to be translated into languages that people could read and print those Bibles? It changed the world, didn't it, Nathan? Yeah, it absolutely did. God's Word uh, bears fruit. So, I mean, the more uh, broad we can, we can spread that, uh, the, the, you know, the greater variety of fruit and the, uh, the amount of fruit, we'll see. And, and so today we want to talk about uh, the Bible, getting it into the hands of people. And when you get it into those hands, their lives are changed. And a lot of times those people who start living for Christ and by the word, they suffer the consequences. But today our guest is Michael Woolworth. Michael, welcome. Nathan, Bert, great to be here with you too. And if you, if you recognize that voice, you hear it on AFR mm. from time to time. When we talk about Bible League International mm -hmm. and tell you about getting the Bibles into the hands of individuals 
and the difference it makes. Is it still making a difference, Michael? Well, Bert, Nathan, let me tell you this. Let me start with a, st- a startling statistic, all right? And then I want to drill down and give your listeners an intimate look into the lives of about four or five different groups of Christians in India and in the Middle East, China. And uh, I think you'll have a good appreciation for what's, uh, what, what these Christians are up against, but also what God is doing. So these stories are difficult, but they're also hope-filled. Pew Research, which keeps kind of a finger on the pulse of Christian persecution around the world, will say that every five minutes outside of the U.S., a Christian dies simply because of his or her faith. And let me give you some perspective on that. By the end of the average hour-long worship service in America on a given Sunday, right, 12 Christians will die outside of the U.S. simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? Now, listen, I'm not saying the death is associated with every case of persecution, but I can tell you at Bible League, now in our 84th year of ministry, we know Christians by name uh, in specific villages, in six regions of the world that are singled out, targeted, monitored. Uh, they have been uh, beaten, jailed, threatened with death, some even killed, again, simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. People will wonder, why is persecution at an all-time high? A couple reasons. Number one, there's corrupt governments. Yeah that do everything to stop the advance of the gospel, right? Think about communist China, and I'll, I'll share a story in just a moment. Uh, majority of religions. I was in the Middle East not too long ago, right? Muslims, and many of those extremists, are not happy that we're there to help foster church growth, right? They don't want to see that happen. There's some other reasons that contribute to these, uh, to these, these high numbers. But remember in Revelation 12 and 13, the devil said, I'm declaring war on the bride of Christ. He said, I'll do it through heresy. I'll do it through persecution, all right? He knows his time is limited. And so today's an opportunity for us to kind of put a face to persecuted believers around the world. And in my role with Bible League, I get to travel all over the world, uh, Nathan and, and Bert. I take a digital recorder with me, and I meet what I like to call heroes of the faith, people that have endured much. And they never ask me when I say, uh, brother, sister, how can we pray for you? There's never a prayer that I would come on American Family Radio and plead with your listeners to ask God to bring an end to their suffering. Why? Because they know God is working through it. They pray for things like, pray that our love for God would increase. Pray that we would obey His Word and cherish it, right? He said, they, they will say, pray that we'll see those around us, whether that's Muslims, Hindus, Confucianists, fill in the gap, right? That we see them not as the enemy, but as the mission field. And so um, Paul told Timothy, one of the final things he wrote to his spiritual son while he awaited a beheading in what? Rome. He said, Timothy, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ, expect to be persecuted. So that's our focus right now at Bible League. We serve a lot of different uh, segments of the Christian population, but today this is an opportunity for us to focus. Again, what is a very difficult subject, right? When I talk about pastors being beaten, people being tortured at the hands of their own family members, people losing basic rights in their countries, I mean, that's tough. But again, there'll be hope-filled elements to the couple of stories I'll get a chance to share. Well, when I hear that, Michael and Nathan, I, I think some of the people that Michael's talking about could be in Fox's Book of Martyrs, addition hmm. to that. They could also be found in Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah. You know the yeah. Hebrews 11. I, I love Hebrews 11, but they want to read the first, after verse 33, they want to forget. And because the verse 30, uh, through yeah. 1 through 33 is about how God delivered this one, how God was with this one. But in 33 it says, also there was those at faith that suffered, mm-hmm. even died. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't a matter of faith, same faith. It wasn't a different faith. It wasn't even a a different amount of faith. Hmm. 
uh, being delivered or going through persecution, it's still faith, trusting God, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and it's the same God that they trust in, just a different plan and a different way of experiencing the fruit. You know, the what was it? Uh, Was it Tertullian said that the the blood of the martyrs? Yeah, the blood of the martyrs is the the seed of the church. And God can. I mean, it's hard for it's hard for us here in America. It's hard for me. I'll just speak for myself. Mm-hmm. To imagine how can my death, and it, we even can say at the hands of some, you know, spiritual enemy, hmm. be fruitful for yeah. any, but yeah. but God, but God does that. <laughs> but God, um, and and it doesn't mean that you know we celebrate persecution. It doesn't mean we uh, run into it, but it is a reality uh, for yeah. so many people around the world. Yeah. Bert, uh, you rightly said our charge at Bible League uh, since 1938 has been to put the Word of God into the hands of believers. We don't just go into a village and willy-nilly say, a Bible's anybody. There's a Bible study that's behind that. We come alongside. We, there's not a place on earth where we serve where we're not connected to the local evangelical church. I mean, that's the that's the model God has for us in His Word, right? And so that's been our MO since, uh, again, 1938. And um, when you put the Word of God in the hands of persecuted believers, let me tell you, they have perspective. Can I take you to the Middle East? Yeah. Tell you a story about... Yeah, we want to hear these stories uh, more than anything. Guys, I I will never forget meeting 14-year-old Ahmed. Who was he? He was a Syrian refugee. His dad died fighting for ISIS. His mother would have worn a full burqa, right? Full, full black uh, Islamic garb, only the uh, rectangle cut out for the eyes. This was a radicalized family, right? She had seven, she had eight kids, eight kids. And uh, she did not, uh, she could not read or write, um, was denied an education because of her social standing in that part of the world. Of course, Syria was made a parking lot, right, by the, uh, the Assad regime and others that participate in the catastrophes there. That was his story at 14 years of age. His mom was uh, taught to read and write, a program from Bible League. One of many things that we do is you engage people around the world in the Word, you find out they can't read, they can't write, you've got another problem. So we developed a program about 40 years ago. It's been a great blessing all over the world. In grateful response, Nathan and Bert, she became a believer. She led seven of her kids to Christ, not the eighth. That was 14-year-old Ahmed. His story was what? He had come, come under the influence of a violent imam there in the Middle East, and was essentially being primed to be a suicide bomber. They had almost decided the day, the place where he would kill himself and others in the process, right? But his mom prayed nonstop for his salvation. When it came, the radicals that he hung around with uh, nearly beat him to death when they found out that he was now a believer, a follower of Christ. They said, we're going to find you. We're going to finish the job. The family fled in the middle of the night when I caught up with him several villages over. And we sat with him and his, and his elders And through a translator, um, I was able to ask young Ahmed, I said, brother, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said everything, Michael. uh, Nathan Burt, he could go to verses and say, look, Jesus tells me here, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. He said, I can go over here and I can see where uh, Jesus says, you're persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And he said, look right here in the Great Commission, Jesus says, I'm with you always. Here's a kid, 14 years of age, with a bounty on his head. I'm peddling baseball cards at 14 years of age, right? <laughs> Here's a kid with a bounty on his head, has a deep burden. He said, Michael, again, through a translator, there, there are hundreds of young men like me that are targeted by these extremists. A lot of them are refugees. He said they promise financial incentive and all the benefits that come from being a faithful Muslim, right? 
He said, we've got to save them. I found out that he had been instrumental in learning to share his faith and had done that with more than 100 people, not on his own, but with others in his evangelical church. This kid's the real deal. And that's a glimpse of what happens when you can put a Bible into the hands of new believers, right? Who really may have had no idea who Jesus was, no idea what Christianity was all about. But this kid's on fire for the Lord. I'll tell you guys, when I talk to my colleague over there, I wonder... Did those radicals finish the job this week? Is he still alive? He is. He is. And Lord willing, uh, he'll be alive for a long time. But listen, that's a glimpse of what happens. Um, I'm not here to say that all Muslims are extremists. That would be untrue. That would be unfair. That certainly is the case in this story. But I can tell you, um, his prayer is that um, Bible would fulfill its, its mandate to send Bibles. And I said, oh, Ahmed, they're coming. They're coming. And listen, AFR listeners, you've been so instrumental, a very faithful partner of ours over so many years. And that's why it's a joy to come and share these yeah. stories today. Nathan, when I hear that and knowing the refugees that you worked with and uh, making our message known of the love of Jesus Christ to a group of people who knows difficulty and hardship. And uh, if we, we just need to get the word of God to them. In a spirit of love. Yeah, making that love known in a tangible way by giving a Bible in, in a language that they can understand is, is priceless. Mm. And, and, you know, whether they um, are a believer on the receiving end of that gift or they come to know Jesus later on after reading you know, the Bible, <laughs> uh, it's a precious gift. But to also, to give. also, I got to say something about a praying mom's. They're 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 mm. praying moms in the USA, uh, yeah. in the yeah. Middle East, everywhere. Yeah. Those praying yeah. moms, what a difference they make! But we want to hear uh, again. I don't want to take it out without hearing from, especially from China. Yeah, let me you, take you. Had, you had a, a story about what's God doing there? Yeah, Bert. We don't hear in the news. I mean, we can't go a week without hearing something just yeah. just dramatic happening uh, in uh, within the walls of communist China. Um, three things that I learned about recently. Number one, of course, uh, pastors being jailed, you know, again, simply because they preach Christ, right? Churches being raised. I mean, demolished. I mean, the local governments, whether it's outside of Beijing or Shanghai or wherever, right? They have actually come in and bulldozed churches. No advance warning, no reason for it, no repercussions for those people. Churches left to pick up the pieces, right? And, of course, worshipers being threatened. If you gather worship, we're going to throw you in jail, you know? It's almost as if when you become baptized, you sign your death sentence. I mean, we don't even hear most of these stories. They don't end up on the front page of your paper, your favorite cable news source. But let me tell you about a man by the name of Katsu. Who was Katsu? An evangelical pastor served outside of Beijing, China, I would guess uh, early 50s, probably had been uh, jailed and beaten 25 times over the course of his ministry, guys. And uh, most recently, that beating came at the hands of a man by the name of Hayo. Who was Hayo? He was one of these uh, bitter atheists. He was an interrogator. His job was to come down hard on local pastors, put him in jail, beat him, tell him to never speak of Jesus again. That's the story. That's what happened to this man, Katsu. He'd been beaten so severely, he could not get up for about a week. They told him to go home, don't ever speak of Jesus again. His wife was relieved to find out he had not been executed for his faith. About a week later, a knock came on his door. It was in the evening. Uh, this was in China, of course. A little reluctant to open the door. Who did he find on the other side? The man, Hayo, the bitter interrogator, okay? The man had a question that burned in his heart all week long. Why were you at such peace when we were beating you? And so this man, Katsu, this evangelical pastor, early 50s, 
would open his door, open his Mandarin Bible, and lead this bitter atheist to faith in Christ. And I can tell you what's happened is that this man lost his job in the police department. They no longer wanted him now that he identified as a Christian, lost many of his rights, many of his family members turned on him. Uh, but together they have witnessed literally thousands, I'm saying thousands, Nathan and Bird, who have come to embrace Jesus Christ, seeing in this man, Katsu, a willingness to suffer, seeing this testimony of this man that was all about uh, doing everything to offend Christians, right? Jail them, beat them, bring them into uh, times of worship, those sorts of things. Now listen, uh, Bert, before we went on the air, I have a Mandarin Bible in front of me. I know this is radio, your listeners can't see it. So let me describe this basic black cover. You open this. So this is a Bible that Bible League translated, I don't know, 30 years ago. You see the beautiful Mandarin print, right? I, I asked uh, your dad, Nathan, can you find John 3.16? You know, he couldn't do it. I was so disappointed. Anyway. <laughs> I, I was going, but where it was located in the possibility of the size of the letters, that didn't help me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, listen, guys, in all seriousness, I'm not a Mandarin speaker. I, I know you two don't speak Mandarin. But I'm telling you, those, those thousands of Christians I just talked about in the house church movement there, you've heard about the underground house church movement. They are known to stay after the services because there's two or three Bibles in congregations, hundreds strong, right? And they will, they will handwrite scriptures from that Mandarin Bible onto a piece of paper just to have something to take into their week, right? They may have been former Confucianist, atheist, I mean, you name it. But let me tell you something, they would give anything, absolutely anything for what sits before us today, gentlemen. And that's what Bible League is all about. And that's what's happening in a place like communist China. And I'm telling you, here today, loudly and clearly, the gospel is going forth. You know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he said, I'll draw the nations to myself. And that's happening even in the midst of severe persecution, what I just said today. And guys, I hope that's an encouragement to you and to your listeners. And I can tell you, it's a great joy for me to come and, and share a really an amazing story. When I hear these stories and they do grab my heart uh they're our brothers and sisters and nathan you have made this clear uh we if we're not careful we'll say the persecuted church no it's the church and the bible mm -hmm. makes it plain that we're part of the body and when part of that body is hurting the other parts of the body respond and react and uh, this this makes us do two things, glorify the Lord for what they're doing, but also hurt for the pain. And, and it's like the cross. When I think of the cross, I glorify God and praise God. But at the same time, I know it's my sin that put him there mm. and it grips me with with, oh, God, I did that. Yeah. So when I hear that, I have those both reactions. I have the glory, but I also have the pain. Yeah. And, mm. and there's a sense of. Uh, response or responsibility that, hey, I might be in a position, God might have put me in a position to do something. Mm. Um, I can't rescue someone from persecution that's living on the other side of the world necessarily. Uh, I can stand with them. I can pray for them. And, and, and I can even be a part of distributing Bibles uh, in those areas mm. um, in, in, in different ways. And so, um, you know, that's, that's exciting um, but also, it's it's weighty, you know. I know as it's, well. it is. Yeah. Sounds like we're confused. Well, mm. listen, if you want it to be glory, what you want to do, and I think is understand the purpose of God. The purpose of God is to save that individual mm. and that individual to bring him glory. And no matter where you do it, in China, 
Middle East or here in America, God gets the glory, even in persecution Amen. or Amen. even in praise and glory of things being better than you ever thought it could be. Yeah. But you have some more. You mean there's more stories? You know, that, I've, got, I've got two more short, uh, short ones. Let me let me say this. Paul writes uh, in First Corinthians, uh, if one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. And right. I think that's why we have enjoyed a very, very fruitful partnership. If we, if we share these as we share these stories, as difficult as they are. Um, your listeners have responded, and it's been such a joy to be able to tell these believers, hey, your Bibles, they're, uh, they're coming. Let me take you to India. Uh, what a tough place to live out your mm-hmm. faith. I mean, if you can see what's happening there, uh, Prime Minister Modi um, has declared that, that uh, India is a uh, Hinduistic national. It's a government, right? It's right. basically cozy with that religion. There's no room for Christianity. This is, long, this is a, the land of Gandhi. Long gone are the days. Yeah that Gandhi promoted a nonviolent Hinduism. They've essentially said, again, there's no room for Christianity here. A colleague of mine by the name of Subish would, would get in his car one day, and he would travel around with a video camera. His wife drove. He was on his camera. And he said, Michael, I'm going into this village. They speak uh, Tamil. I'm going to go in this village. They speak Hindi. And he said, the sign here says no Christians allowed. Uh, this other sign says no evangelism allowed. This sign says you can't even carry a Bible. All of these things are major offenses. There are laws on the book saying that you simply cannot share your faith and try to convert somebody. Now, we know a pastor. Um, again, this is a very difficult story to share, but the man has been faithful to the Lord for many, many years. He's a former Hindu himself, in fact, an extremist. And he was accused, falsely accused, of forcibly converting Hindus to Christianity. Now, listen, he, he, that's, this man knew that that's not how Christians right. are born, right? We're born of the Holy Spirit. But some people were watching him and seeing what he was doing. And um, they took him and his wife and their four children to a reservoir outside of Karnataka, India. And they asked them to renounce their faith. And when they would not do that, they drowned each one of them. They drowned this dear brother, his wife, their children, to send a, a message to pastors, evangelists, lay people, Christians in general, that again, there's no room for Christianity uh, here. Um, I have a, a dear friend uh, back in the Chicago area, that's home base for a Bible League, who has come from India. He's in seminary now. He plans to go back. Um, I've shared this story with him. He said, Michael, I'm well acquainted with, I could tell you, Dozens of those type of stories. He understands that to go back to India with the hope of the gospel could mean that he will pay the ultimate price, but he's willing to do that, guys. And that's what I want you to hear today, that there are people willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. I know here in America, our kind of the degree of our persecution is social, right? You say to somebody, uh, I follow Christ. They say, so what? You say, I'm a Christian. They say, oh, you mean the religion of judgment, right? I mean, they, they may kind of bash us on social media, right? But it's an altogether different level. It's even around hard to say what we have is persecution. I have that word. I just want to say a word. We're vastly connected with some people that we love and dearly love in India mm. and what they're doing, they say, you know, suffered persecution. Devin, our producer, our board op, that's there. Mm-hmm. He spent a year there and just uh, serving the Lord, and it's breaking our heart. What's taking place yeah. in India in the last year since this 
uh, government change has become so antagonistic toward Christians, so we want you to pray. But we haven't got a lot of time, so we want that fourth story, yeah, nobody, me, don't we, Nathan? Yeah, these guys, stories, they, they I, grip us. I, I'm so grateful for the time today, I mean, just to be able to share these. And that's what we need, you know, to have an intimate look into the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, that's how you pray with greater specificity, right? That's, that's how you get involved with the work of, of ministries like, uh, like Bible League. When I was in the Middle East, I met a young lady, 19 years of age. Aria was her name. She said her prayers five times a day. She read her Quran faithfully, you know, was part of a radicalized Islamic family. Her father had pretty high position in his community. This was just outside of Cairo, Egypt. Um, he was a mullah, which means that he interprets Islamic law, had a very high standing where he was. And when none of that brought peace, she accepted the invitation of a Christian friend, somebody that had become a believer through the ministry of Bible League, praise God. And about eight to 12 weeks into that study, as she would learn that Jesus is the great lover of her soul, she would, she would turn to him as Lord and Savior. Still lived at home. She took her little Bible study booklet home from, uh, from Bible League. It's the Gospel of John paired together with what I like to call even uh, Christianity 101. How is Jesus both God and man? Um, what's it mean to die to self? What's it mean to put on Christ? When Jesus says, hey, if you want to be great in this kingdom, you learn to serve. And so she went home as a born-again believer, hid that book in her, her bedroom. Her mother rummaged, found it, gave it to the father, who was very, very upset at her conversion. He beat her nearly to death. It did not end there. He called the authorities to report her as an infidel. They took her away to a remote cell. It was there that they beat her and the Christian friend. They tortured them. They violated them. They even pulled fingernails out of either hand. This was severe. They were trying to send a message, kept them for a couple of weeks after that, virtually no food, a little bit of water, no outside communication. And when they let them go, I like to say these women did not grow bitter they grew bold and together in their faith, along with their local evangelical church, have led hundreds to Christ in Amen. that part of the world. Again, people look on at all. How can you find the grace and the gumption to forgive even your own father who beat you nearly to death before turning you over to the authorities? And as I said earlier, she made it very clear to me when I asked her sister, how can we pray for you? I mean, just a delightful young lady, worked on a pomegranate and olive grove, right? Just an absolutely beautiful woman on love, in love for the Lord. She said, Michael, pray that I would love God and delight in his word and again, see those around me, not as the enemy, but as the mission field. And let me tell you, guys, you think about a soul that's been redeemed, is living in severe persecution, something we'll never know the degree of ourselves, right? You definitely can know it through these stories. But that's what God is doing around the world. Again, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw the nations to myself. And he is doing it in some of the most difficult situations. But to God be the glory for these types of hope-filled Amen. stories. Amen. Nathan, when we hear this, we thank God. And Bible League International, what a difference they're making in the lives of people around the world. And then those people are making a difference. You know, like Paul would teach Timothy, yeah. Timothy would teach others, and other faithful men would Amen. follow. Amen. It is that, isn't that, it? You know, the fruit always has seed in it, and, and, and then that gets multiplied. Yeah. And that's what we see happening. Yeah. Um, and even though the enemy is trying to come against what God is doing, uh, it can't be stopped. Ultimately, it can't be stopped. Uh, there might be a pause. There might be... Um, you know difficulties and, and and things and that's where we come in to to encourage and to hmm. want to strengthen and want to pray for and stand with and, yeah. and even be a part of 
making sure God's word goes out into these places. And that's what we're doing on Exploring Missions. Michael, thank you for being with us. Yeah, can I let your listeners know if they want more information? Uh, we'd be delighted to, to do that. They can do two things. Log on to sendbiblesnow.org. That has information on persecution. Sendbiblesnow.org. Or there's a toll-free number. It's 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. But uh, brothers, very nice to be with you today. Thank you for the heart that you have to see the gospel go forth. And uh, again, a wonderful listening family. Uh, Praise the that, Lord. Uh, thank, thank you, God. Michael. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. Exploring Missions.